Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. This episode features Orbiting Jupiter by Gary D. Schmidt, read by Leona. This title is intended for tweens, however, it may contain language or themes that some readers may find offensive. Recorded with permission of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Chapter One Before you agree to have Joseph come live with you, Mrs. Stroud said, there are one or two things you ought to understand. She took out a State of Maine Department of Health and Human Services folder and laid it on the kitchen table. My mother looked at me for a long time. Then she looked at my father. He put his hand on my back. Jack should know what we're getting into, same as us, he said. He looked down at me. Maybe you more than anyone. My mother nodded, and Mrs. Stroud opened the folder. This is what she told us. Two months ago, when Joseph was at Adams Lake Juvenile, a boy gave him something bad in the boy's bathroom. He went into the stall and swallowed it. After a long time, his teacher came looking for him. When she found him, he screamed. She said he'd better come out of that stall right now. He screamed again. She said he'd better come out of that stall right now unless he wanted more trouble. So he did. Then he tried to kill her. They sent Joseph to Stone Mountain, even though he did what he did because the kid gave him something bad and he swallowed it. But that didn't matter. They sent him to Stone Mountain anyway. He won't talk about what happened to him there, but since he left Stone Mountain, he won't wear anything orange. He won't let anyone stand behind him. He won't let anyone touch him. He won't go into rooms that are too small, and he won't eat canned peaches. He's not very big on meatloaf either, said Mrs. Stroud, and she closed the State of Maine Department of Health and Human Services folder. He'll eat my mom's canned peaches, I said. Mrs. Stroud smiled. We'll see, she said. Then she put her hand on mine. Jack, your parents know this, and you should too. There's something else about Joseph. What? I said. He has a daughter. I felt my father's hand against my back. She's almost three months old, but he's never seen her. That's one of the biggest heartbreaks in this case. Mrs. Stroud handed the folder to my mother. Mrs. Hurd, I'll leave this with you. Read it, and then you can decide. Call me in a few days if... Oh, we've talked it over my mother said. We already know. Are you sure? My mother nodded. We're sure, my father said. Mrs. Stroud looked at me. How about you, Jack? My father's hand still against my back. How soon can he come? Two days later on Friday, Mrs. Stroud brought Joseph home. He looked like a regular eighth grade kid at Eastham Middle School. Black eyes, black hair almost over his eyes, a little less than middle for height, a little less than middle for weight, sort of middle for everything else. He really could have been any other eighth-grade kid at Easton Middle School, except he had a daughter, and he wouldn't look at you when he talked, if he talked. He didn't say a thing when he got out of Mrs. Stroud's car. He wouldn't let my mother hug him. He wouldn't shake my father's hand, and when I brought him up to our room, he threw his stuff on the top bunk and climbed up and still didn't say anything. I got in the bunk below him and read some until my father called us for milking. In the big barn, Joseph and I tore up three bales and filled the bins. I told him you have to fill the bin in the small barn for Quintus Sertorius first, because he's an old horse and doesn't like to wait. And then we went back to the cows in the tie-up to milk. My father said Joseph could watch, but after today he'd be helping. Joseph stood with his back against the wall, 
When the cows looked and turned to him, they didn't say a thing, not even Dahlia. They kept pulling on the hay and chewing like they do. That means they thought he was okay. When my father got to Rosie, he asked Joseph if he'd like to try milking her. Joseph shook his head. She's gentle. She'll let anyone milk her. Joseph didn't say anything. Still after my father was done and he'd taken a couple of full pails out to the cooler, Joseph went up behind Rosie and reached up and rubbed the end of her back right above her tail. He didn't know that Rosie loved anyone who rubbed her rump. So when she mooed and swayed her behind, Joseph took a couple of quick steps back. I said, she's just telling you she's... I don't care, said Joseph, and he left the barn. The next morning, though, when the three of us went out to the big barn to milk, Joseph went to Rosie first, and he reached up and rubbed her rump again. And Rosie told Joseph she loved him. That was the first time I saw Joseph smile. Sort of. Joseph had never touched a cow's rump before, or her teat even. Really? So he was terrible at milking. And even though I kept rubbing her rump while Joseph was being terrible at milking, Rosie got pretty frustrated and finally she kicked over the pail because Joseph didn't have his leg out in front of hers. It didn't matter much because there was hardly any milk in it anyway. Joseph stood up just when my father came in. My father looked at the pail and the spilled milk, then at Joseph. I think there's something you need to finish there, Joseph, he said. You need milk that bad? There's probably a store where you can get some like normal people, he said. It was the longest string of words he'd said. Oh, I don't need the milk, said my father. He pointed at Rosie. She needs you to milk her. She doesn't need me to... She needs you, my father stacked his two pails to the side, then righted Joseph's pail underneath Rosie. Sit down on the pail, he said. It took a few seconds, but Joseph sat, and my father knelt beside him and reached behind Rosie. I'll show you again. With your thumb and forefinger, you pinch off the top like this, and then let your fingers strip the milk down like this. A squirt of milk against the metal side. Another. Another. Then my father stood. A few seconds. More than a few. Then Joseph reached under and tried. Nothing. Thumb and forefinger tight, then run down your other fingers. Joseph tried again. My father took over rubbing Rosie's rump. She mooed once, and then the squirting began. It was slow and not all that steady, but Joseph was milking, and soon the sound in the pail wasn't the sound of milk on metal, but that foamy sound of milk in milk. My father looked at me and smiled. Then he went around behind Joseph to pick up the pails he'd stacked. And bang! Joseph leaped up as if something had exploded beneath him. His pail got knocked over again and the stool and Rosie mooed her afraid moo and Joseph stood with his back against the barn wall with his hands up and even though he usually didn't look like anyone was looking at us and breathing hard and fast like there wasn't enough air in the whole wide world to breathe. My father looked at him and I could see something in my father's eyes I'd never seen before. Sadness, I guess. I'm sorry, Joseph. I'll try to remember, he said. He bent down and picked up the pails. I'll finish here. You boys better go back to the house and get washed up. Jack, tell Mom I'll be a few minutes late. It was almost dawn when we went outside, Joseph and me. The peaks to the west were lit up and spilling some of the light down their sides and onto our fields, all harvested and turned and ready for the long winter. You could smell the cold air and the wood smoke. 
The pond had broken panes of ice on the edges, enough to annoy the geese, and from the small barn you could hear Quintus Sertorius at his grain, snorting in his bin. Rosie mooed inside the barn. Everywhere in the gray yard, color was filling in. The red barns, the green shutters, the green trim on the house, and the yellow trim on the chicken shed. The orange tabby clawing into the fence rail. Joseph didn't stop to see anything. He missed it all. He went into the house, still breathing hard. The door slapped shut behind him. Still that afternoon, he was back in the big barn, and he rubbed Rosie's rump, and she mooed, and then he milked her. All the way, even though it took a long time. Do you think Joseph will fit in? My mother asked me later. Rosie loves him, I said. I didn't need to say anything more. You can tell all you need to know about someone from the way cows are around him. Wondering what happens next? Check out Orbiting Jupiter by Gary D. Schmidt, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org. Thank you.